0: West Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. In the storm, we've all been there. I've been there, you've been there, and maybe you're there right now. I hope that through my message today and the sharing of my story, that I'm able to touch you and your heart maybe to reinforce where you are or where you've been. When we're in the storm, we ask questions. We ask questions like, why me? Why is this happening? Why am I in this situation? What did I do to deserve this? When we're in that place, we want to know how to get right side up. Uh, Wendy, this one's for you. She said, Denise, you need to have a picture of an upside-down turtle (laughs) to help create the visual of what it's like to be upside-down. And picture that turtle just wobbling around, trying to flip over, and just so determined, but not being able to figure out. Somebody usually has to come along and flip it over, unless it's really perseverant. Or the compass. When you're in that storm, you kind of feel lost. Which way am I supposed to go? Who am I supposed to turn to? How do I get out of this mess? But whether your life is turned upside down because you've lost your way due to financial burdens, broken relationships, your health, um, illness, death, depression. This is really depressing, isn't it, as I go through this list? (laughs) Unrealized dreams, past sins that still have a hold on you. No matter what the reason, there is a way to turn your life right side up. There's one way, and we know who that is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, make your presence known to us now. Fill us each with your Holy Spirit, and provide us with the insight into our lives that only you can make known. Touch our minds, but especially touch our hearts today. Change us. Bring us closer to you. Amen. Preparing for this message today has afforded me the opportunity to take stock of my many blessings and to embrace the many ways that the Lord has empowered me through very difficult times. Even when I didn't acknowledge or invite him into my life in those difficult times, he still showed up. Later today, I'm going to share with you the most difficult time I've ever had in my life. So far. And I say so far because we know that there may be more difficult times to come, and we're guaranteed that there will be. We're not guaranteed freedom from pain and suffering. In fact, as followers of Christ, we're guaranteed the opposite. My desire is that by sharing this upside-down period in my life, it may be, and and my journey to becoming right-side-up, maybe God's story will shine through me. But before I delve into that story, I want to share part of God's story as this whole series has been uh, connected to what God has done. And when I'm upside down, I look to the story of Daniel. So let's look at Daniel. Who was he? If you remember, um, he was, of course, part of the house of Judah, um, part of Israel. He was actually um, nobility, so he was bred to be royalty. And raised a certain way, you know, a proper way, uh, befitting of a king. Uh, but during his teen years, his world was turned upside down. He is, his country was taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who, of course, was a king of the Babylon's. The Babylonian culture, very similar to all, our culture today, um, very uh, much a secular uh, society, didn't really have a strong faith system, believed in um, many gods. He was forced into a training program, taken to Babylon, and he spent three years being tested uh, in that training program uh, because he was someone of nobility. He was being trained in the ways of the Babylonian culture. But throughout that, he proved himself to be a man of high esteem. God used Daniel. Now, I always, of course, ask Jeremy what I should title this. You know, he's really creative, right, Jeremy? <laughs> Jeremy thought the message should be titled Veggie Tales. <laughs> so, if you know the story of Daniel, you know what Veggie Tales means. He, if you ever did the Daniel fast, that's eating just vegetables, whole grain. It's a pure cleansing. See, Daniel refused to conform to what the king wanted them to eat. He wanted to keep himself pure and holy for God. Um, so, that would be the Veggie Tales part. Uh, but God used him to model obedience to the Lord in all ways. Uh, we turn to him often to look for a model for prayer. Um, he prayed three times a day at an open window, and he did that facing Jerusalem because he was no longer in his own country. Uh, he prayed, in the windows at that time were not like ours. You know, they were just open, you know, where the air just came in. There were no glass in those windows in 605 B.C., Um, So it was a very public prayer. He had no qualms about praying to his God He used him in the position of leadership in a foreign government and God used him to write us provide us with a model of integrity His story inspires me because when you think about it, he probably had a very clear picture of what his adult life would be the raise the way he was Um, You know, that he was some day going to be, you know, a ruler. He was well-educated. But then his country fell and taken over. All his traditions that he knew were just taken away. And he could have given up on life. But instead, he persevered by turning to God. He spent 70-plus years in public service in a nation filled with idolatry and wickedness. And instead of asking, where's God? He was courageous and held fast, fast to his faith. If only I had understood his story a lot, a long time ago. He understands that despite his circumstances, God is sovereign and is working out his plan for all nations, kings, and for individuals. And he also understood that his story, the story of Daniel, is a small part of God's story. And that maintaining that perspective allows him to surrender himself to God every day. Oh, if only all of us could maintain that perspective, that we are part of God's story, but his story is so much bigger than us. Daniel demonstrates trust in the Lord. He trusts in the Lord when he powerfully asks him to interpret a dream of the king, and he ended up saving everyone from death because he interpreted the dream correctly, because he allowed God to interpret that dream through him. He became a vessel for the Holy Spirit. Daniel trusted in the Lord when he upheld his convictions and enters a lion's den. So the kids' curriculum is filled with Daniel and the lion's den. And, of course, and Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and as they, you know, conquer the fiery furnace. So your kids are learning all about this. Um, He also trusts in the Lord when he interprets the writing on the wall for King Belshazzar, which was actually King Nebuchadnezzar's grandson who still didn't learn from his grandfather and his father's mistakes. Um, And that prediction actually was that the Babylonian Empire was about to fall. And he was courageous enough to tell the king exactly what it said. He and his friends trusted in the Lord. They upheld their faith. How do we live like Daniel did? I want to be like Daniel. I want to accept God's sovereignty in my life. And I want to follow his will for me. I want to know how to keep my world when it turns upside down, backside up. Make it right side up. To get things right side up, we need trust. So let's look at this verse. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. I didn't, know anything particu- I didn't think anything particularly significant of this verse when I first heard it. I thought, wow, you have trust issues in your life? No, I didn't think that. I just really liked this verse. So when Ross asked us to identify a life verse, this is just what came to mind. I didn't really think it was my life verse. I just thought, well, it's the first one I ever memorized. Um, So it must be something important. I had gotten vinyl lettering and put it above my doorway in my kitchen. So if you're in my house, you see it up there. Um, I think I passed by it so many times, I don't even pay attention to it anymore. But it's always there. Uh, I used to have little bookmarks that I would hand out to people. um, And it said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5. Uh, Still never really spend any time thinking about it so when I was asked to identify a verse and I started thinking about this verse it finally came to me that this truly was my life verse trust has always been an issue for me when you look at it a little closer here's what I see trust in the Lord stop trust in the Lord Okay, don't trust in things, don't trust in finances, I'm not supposed to trust in people, I'm supposed to trust in the Lord first and foremost. That's how I learned to trust in other things, but I have to trust in Him, trust in the Lord. With all your heart, uh, I'm not one that keeps my heart very open. Um, I'm more of a thinker, I like intellectual stimulation, someone's really emotional, I can't handle it. Like, someone wants to call me on the phone and, like, blab. and like, I can't handle this. Like, like it's, it's just not how I'm gifted. Like, the heart, I want to talk, let's, let's talk this through. Let's rationalize it. Let's figure this out. Let's analyze it. So, this whole thing is just all challenges for me. Lean not on your own understanding. Hey, but I'm pretty smart. Like, why wouldn't I lean on my own understanding? Like, okay, like, don't really? I'm not supposed to lean on my own understanding? Wholehearted devotion, don't think about it too much. That's what that's telling me, don't overanalyze. In all my ways, acknowledge him. So in everything I do, so like I'm not supposed to take credit for the things that I've accomplished in my life or the things I've overcome in my life. All the credit is supposed to go to God. I and mean, I need to be reminded of that. I think we all do all the time. The money that I have is because God gave it to me. The car that I drive, it's temporary. He can take it away at any time. And I should be happy if he does. And lastly, that he is going to direct my path. Now this is the part that I find finally inspiring. Because the other parts I find very challenging. I was looking at one of my study Bibles. And that he will direct my path or he will set your path straight. really means that God's going to take us to the appointed goal he has for me. For you. He has an appointed goal for all of us, and he is going to direct our path and take us there. If we trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean into him, not into our own understanding, acknowledge him and give him that uh, gratitude, and then he's going to take me to my directed path. And I'm so excited. Aren't you excited about where God is going to take you in your life and how he's going to use what he has already done in your life? So what he's doing with me today. The book of Proverbs is filled with practical wisdom, written primarily by King Solomon, David's son, who happens to be known for his great wisdom. The wisdom of Proverbs can help us with discernment, which leads us to making wise decisions, and that appeals to my head. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. And I remember when I got my first Bible, uh, after I came to church here, not my, you know, childhood Bible, but my, like, first grown-up Bible, um, I didn't know where to start. And then someone said, you know, Denise, Proverbs has 31 chapters. Why don't you read one chapter a day? So that's what I did. So if you don't know where to start, start with Proverbs, because it's really easy to do. Don't do it in February. (sighs) Maybe you want to start next month. Okay, then I'll carry over until the next month. But But now as you listen to my story, you will notice that there is a theme of trust woven throughout. Think about the role trust or lack of trust plays in your own life. And how do we demonstrate trust in our Heavenly Father? So this is the fun part. I'm going to show you some pictures. So, Mom, do you remember that? Top left corner is the picture of my sister, Me. And I'm the big one, she's 20 months younger And when I look at it, it looks like a really nice picture But then my sister and I, we were so close in age So if you know, same gender, close in age, we fought a lot Um, I got in trouble for things she did, things I did wrong I would blame her, it was just this cycle And I'm wondering if maybe I was trying to strangle her in this picture Not really sure Like smiling too while I was doing it We're great friends now, I love her very much uh, in the middle is my family right now. So you're probably all familiar with Greg. He was up here, standing right there in the middle. Um, my son, Nate, is on my side on the left. And then my husband, Greg's sons, um, Zach and Corey, are on his right. Um, they are 26, 24, and 22. Nate's 22. I know. You're thinking what I'm thinking. There's no way this girl can have a kid that old. Ha, 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 ha it's a miracle, God's a miracle. I'm done. <laughs> then there's a picture of my mom and my sister, and you'll find why that's significant in a minute. Underneath the picture of my mom and my sister is that little puppy dog that was Shelby, and that little boy is Nate. When he was four years old, and Shelby was our very first dog, and that was me. I think I, oh, I was 23 then. Yeah, life changes. I still it was uh. That would have been 1993, so I still had that poof left over from the 80s, you know, the long hair in the back, and I had the poof up the front. Um, Then there's Nate at my graduation last year with a nice hug around me. One of my goals in life has always been to make him proud of me, so he was. Well, he is. This is a funny picture at the bottom. Um, (laughs) This is my sister's, um, when she got finished her master's degree at Georgetown, So we all went, (laughs) do you guys get the humor in that picture yet? (laughs) There's me, my sister, Nate, my stepfather, and my mom. And in the back (laughs) is Greg, who's like a foot taller than all of us. So we're like the midget family, and Greg's up there. Right, honey? Okay. We love you, just like you're one of us, but it's pretty obvious that you're not then there's Greg's my um, wedding we were married in 2005 late 2005 um, and then there's a picture of Nate and I when we were in Hawaii just a few years back so there's my family so before I get into the heart of the story let me provide you with some context of my life I had a pretty darn good childhood I grew up in Berea Ohio uh, in a middle-class neighborhood, my, and that's right outside of Cleveland, if you're not familiar, my dad was a, was a cargo worker at the Cleveland airport, and much of the time he worked second or third shift. A weird connection happened either. You know Lori Knapp, who goes to church here? Her dad was a cargo worker and the same airport, and so she came up at, to me after first service and said, what airline? I said, United. She's like, oh my gosh, he was in United too, so... Strange things happen, small world. Um, but he worked second and third shift most of the time. So if you know what that means, he wasn't around when I was awake. So when I was asleep, he was at, at work. Um, which meant that most of my memories of my childhood consist of the trio of my mom, my sister, and me. We were really like the dynamic team. My sister and I went to Catholic school riding the public school bus every day in our little, you know, we went to St. Mary's, so it was blue and black and gray and white plaid. Every Sunday, my mom, my sister, and I went to church. And my dad, my dad never went with us. He just didn't he said he even said to me not too long ago that I think I'm Methodist, but I'm not sure. I think my mom was Lutheran. Like he doesn't he goes back to his childhood. He doesn't really know who he is, so keep him in your prayers for me. Um, After church, we would go to my grandparents' home, which was on the near west side of Cleveland. My mom was an only child. I keep looking this way because my mom's right there. (laughs) Hi, mom. Uh, And so we were the only grandchildren, my sister and I. So we were just a little spoiled with love, of course. Uh, my grandma, who I've mentioned before, a couple years ago on a Christmas Eve service, um, she contracted polio during World War II, and that in itself is like a lifetime movie. I want someday to write the script for a lifetime movie. Our whole family thinks that what happened with my grandma and my grandpa would make a really great story for a movie, but it would be a tearjerker. But she was in a wheelchair her whole life from when my mom was before my mom was born. So we were kind of conditioned that part of our routine growing up was going to their house, and we would clean their house every Sunday. If you ever need your bed made, I am really good. My mom taught me exactly how to fold the sheets under. You know, you have to fold the one up, over, like, you know, wrap it just the right way. So we were inspected, you know, to make sure we did it all right. But while we cleaned their house, my sister, my mom, and I, my grandma was always in the, cook, in the kitchen cooking, Uh, We would be singing, dancing. My mom was our Girl Scout leader, so we knew a lot of Girl Scout songs. Um, We would sometimes go on rides on Grandma's lap in her wheelchair around the house. We would play cards with her, and we were not allowed to cheat, although my grandpa got away with cheating quite often. Um, They were great memories. But when I was 13, my life was turned upside down for the first time. My dad left us. Actually, he left my mom. While my sister and I were collateral damage, and I can say that now, I used to think he left me, that he didn't love me, or else, how could he leave me? I felt completely helpless. About a month later, my dad returned to try again, giving us all hope, but then, what happened? He left again, but this time for good. My world was turned upside down by outside circumstances and I was caught in the middle. I was just a teenager. I tried to do everything in my power without inviting God's help to turn my world right side up. I lashed out at my mom with bitterness and blame and I took control of my own life. I vowed to be successful and I realize now part of that vow Also included never to be dependent on a man. My mom depended on him and he left her. I took a vow of self-reliance. I didn't know at that time, but this vow included God. Because God is a man, right? That's how I thought about it in my own head. I was not going to trust him or anyone else to take care of me. Stubbornness. Was part of me. Still is. Shh, don't stop left. Don't laugh, Mom. I know now that this is not God's way of getting right side up. I could talk about the many more times in my life when I felt like my life was upside down and how I didn't trust the Lord. So my life remained pretty darn messy. Times when I had planned what I had planned or had envisioned for my life didn't work out. Like, when, even though I was fourth in my graduating class in high school, I didn't even apply to the college I really wanted to go to because I thought I wasn't going to get in. I didn't think I was good enough. Or when I got pregnant when I was 19, then got married, and then dropped out of college for several years. Or I could talk about the times in my life and when everything was going great. Times of contentment and success. Times when Nathan was born. And the gift he has been to me. Because, you know, the name Nathan means gift of God. And that's what he is. My steady health, my family, my friends, my support network. The many times God has provided professional challenges that ignite my passion. Finishing my doctorate. And, of course, my husband Greg. But instead, I want to focus on the one time in my life that demonstrates how God's love never fails. How God's even with us when we don't invite him to be there, how turning to Jesus Christ is the only way we can fully heal, and how trust is significant in our relationship with our Lord and Savior. Here's the story of when I finally learned to trust in the Lord. It's not one that I tell often, because it's really painful. And I've come so far in my healing. Yes, it still hurts. This week was really tough. Wendy asked me how I was doing the other day. and I was like, oh. Like, I wrote the beginning and I wrote the end, but, like, I don't really want to get into that middle part, like, the part that really hurts. A lot of tears shed, but it's not because I'm not past it or I'm not okay now. I just remember how far God has taken me, and I see now the gifts that he has given me along the way. But he did turn me right side up, so here's how it goes. My marriage to Nate's dad had its ups and downs, like all marriages do. But we overcame so many hurdles together. I was 19, he was 21 when we got married. We knew we were going to have a baby right away. We knew it wasn't a perfect situation. It's actually kind of funny when you think about it. He was away at Bowling Green, I was at Cleveland State when we found out I was pregnant. And he came home over Christmas break and we got married, like within two weeks, Then he went back to Bowling Green (laughs) with a wedding ring on his finger, but he got married, but he just went back to school. Yeah, a couple months later, we dropped out. We just couldn't handle it, like going to school, being pregnant, all of this, and then still trying to get life right. Of course, we didn't go to church or anything at that time. Um, So we had overcome getting married at such a young age, supporting each other when we did finally both finish our undergraduate programs, raising an amazing young man. Overcoming financial struggles, I thought we would always overcome whatever hurdles were placed in front of us. We both felt the absence of God in our lives, but our faith experiences were so different growing up. We never made it a priority to find a faith community that worked for both of us. We believed in Jesus Christ, but didn't truly understand what that meant. During the 15 years of our marriage, I considered myself a non-practicing Catholic. I still identified myself as a Catholic and could walk into Mass at any time and know exactly what to say and how to fit in just like it was yesterday. So I didn't understand how someone who wasn't married to the church, to Jesus Christ, could actually teach me anything about life. Because, you know, priests in the Catholic Church and the Catholic faith actually have a vow. They actually get married to Jesus, and you'll see that they wear a ring. I couldn't listen to somebody who wasn't married to Jesus. How could I ever go to a church that wasn't Catholic? And my husband couldn't go to a Catholic church because he wasn't raised Catholic. So we were stuck. During the seventh year of our marriage, I discovered that my husband was having an affair with a coworker, a relationship that had been growing for several years. I found out when the other woman's husband called to tell me. We separated that summer. I remember it really clearly because it, I was teaching. I had just shut down my classroom, and it was the first full day of the summer. I think it was like June 4th. You know, it's like, oh, yay, I don't have to go to school today. And then I got that call. <laughs> okay, so that summer was a little strange. Nate was only seven years old, and he stayed with me while his dad tried to figure out what he wanted. He believed he was in love with this coworker and he was distraught because she was starting to rebuild her relationship with her husband. I became his counselor. I don't know how I did it. I had to let go of my identity as his wife. I had strength to help him, but my heart was breaking. I can look back now, and I totally see God's hand in it. When I would recount that time of my life in complete detail to my friends who were really helping me get through it, they would say, I don't know how you're doing that. How did you say that? How did you hold him when he cried? How did you do that? I was like, I don't know. They just thought I was strong. That goes back to the in all your ways acknowledge him. I didn't even know that God was there to acknowledge him. So I want to acknowledge him now that he was there for me. Every step of the way, he had his hand in mine that summer. We reconciled at the end of that summer. We rebuilt our lives together. We had a fresh start. He got a new job. We built a new home. We started over and we had several good years together. We rebuilt trust. In many ways, it was almost like the perfect marriage because we both taught in the same middle school. He coached football and basketball. I was the cheerleading advisor for football and basketball. Nate was our, uh, he was a water boy in the football field, and then he would come out and help the cheerleaders. I know it's embarrassing, Nate, sorry, but he was a really good cheerleading mascot. They all loved him. And so like the whole school community looked to us. We were the married teachers in the school. Um, I look back now and I realize, (laughs) sorry, this is gonna be really bad. But I think he needed to be loved by somebody where he worked. And because when I, we worked together, we didn't have to, I didn't have to worry about him having another affair because I was there, right? So I could rebuild the trust a little easier. Six years after that is when we moved to Columbus from Lorain County. So that was about 2003. It was so I could start the doctoral program here at OSU. Nate and his dad had made tremendous sacrifices for us to move here. They um, left their friends. We all did. Uh, we left our jobs. We sold our home to make the move, and it was a really challenging summer trying to figure out where we would land. Finally, dad's, Nate's dad found a teaching job in a school district just north of here, And I landed a program officer position for a large educational philanthropic organization that was opening up its offices in Columbus. We bought a house, we settled into new routines, and things seemed like like they were starting to come together. Nate's dad, though, started behaving differently. And those sick feelings started to creep up inside of me, things that I thought I had dealt with years ago. Feelings of anxiety distrust questioning and i did everything on my own to push those feelings aside i had done so much work to trust him again this couldn't be happening it was classic signs of denial one of the worst things that i allowed to happen to me during this time was to ignore my own conscience which really was god trying to direct me and i ignored him I wanted so badly for this not to be happening again, but the reality was my husband had fallen in love with another coworker. This time it was the teacher in the classroom next door. Four months after moving to Columbus, this was my reality. To make it worse, my little boy who was now in seventh grade was a student at that same school where they both worked and he was trapped in the middle. Some of the other students brought this to his attention, and he didn't even know what to do. I'm sorry. I won't relive the details, but you can imagine what it must have been like. I spent the following year still in denial, a whole year trying to work things out with his dad, trying to prove that I was worthy of being number one in his life, trying to be the perfect wife, trying to demonstrate trust. But in reality, I felt so betrayed, rejected, and disrespected as a human being. I was completely alone. And I did it on purpose. I isolated myself from my mom, from my sister, from my friends. They would have been so mad at me for trying to make things work for that year because they knew what he did to me before. And they were protective of me and didn't want me to take him back in the first place. I didn't wallow in my self-pity, though. Oh, no. Like, I am not a damsel in distress. No. Instead, I kept busy with work and with school, and I tried focusing on being a great mom. Emotionally, that year, I chose to ride that roller coaster alone. But there's only so much a person can take. And the lies progressively got worse, and we finally separated in the fall of 2004. Nate was in the eighth grade by now. I never wanted to be a child from a broken home. I never wanted that label. I never wanted to be a teenage pregnancy. I didn't want that one either. And I certainly didn't want my child to be labeled as someone from a broken home either. I didn't know what to do to make it better. I knew that divorce was on the horizon for me. So I focused my energy on being a good single mom. I kind of embraced that. And when I embrace something, I go full throttle forward. Nate stepped into the role as my protector. I remember him going around the house, looking at any window that could possibly be opened by an intruder. He got out the miter saw. We went and got some... Wood out back and he cut pieces to fit in the windows so if anyone ever tried to slide them open They they couldn't get in the house Um, You know, he decided that we needed some new locks or new doors The doors were not safe because it was just him and I in the house now So we went shopping and got new new doors put in the house We also got some new furniture because some of the furniture was making its way out the door And so he and I became this great team I knew that I could be still a strong, stable parent for him. But there was one thing that I hadn't provided for him, which was spiritual parenting. We never went to church, and by this time, he was 14 years old, and he didn't know the love of Jesus. Was it too late? I thought I'd give it a try anyway. The first Sunday, his dad and I were separated. Nate and I attended a Catholic mass. Of course, that's where I was comfortable. We quickly determined that that wasn't a good fit for either of us at that period, at that moment in time. So we'd keep looking. During that time, I was coordinating a large Gates Foundation grant um, supporting educational change in 12 urban school districts across the state of Ohio. And during that time, I spent a lot of time in my car. I remember days that I would drop Nate off at school. At 7 or 6.30 in the morning, I'd drive two or three hours to Cleveland. I'd do some work, you know. And then I'd come home after he was done with basketball practice, pick him up. And it was like just a day's work. Although I spent six hours alone in my car that day. (laughs) I only did like two or three hours worth of real work. But I was, you know, I had a lot of time alone. And I think a lot. And that wasn't a good place for me to be. Because I would dwell on every little detail. See, his dad thought that part of the healing process for him was coming clean to me about every little thing that happened. And I have a memory, like, I can't watch those really scary movies because I can feel it. Like, I know it's happening to somebody on the screen and it's not real, but I can feel it. Like, my memory, is, my imagination's great. And I didn't want to imagine the things. And I had a lot of time to do that. And so... As I was going through this process, I had moved from denial, and I was in anger with every little detail that I relived in my mind. During that time, I found solace by turning on Christian radio. And it may sound trivial, but it was so important to me. I had never heard music like this, where you would sing praise and love songs to God. I mean, I grew up in a Catholic church. We sang hymns all the time, but hymns are different this was like something like I could dance to and I wanted to clap my hands to and I wanted to tell God how much I loved him and how much I needed him like right then and I did and I broke down every time I drove I feel really bad for the people around me on the highway on 71 because it probably wasn't safe for them but I would cry and I would sob in my car And this huge empty pit inside of me started to fill up because I allowed Jesus to fill it. One day there was this advertisement on the radio for New Albany Christian Church. which Quest renamed itself not too long ago. Well, actually a long time ago. I don't know when, but when it was New Albany Christian Church. And there was this woman on the radio talking about this cool middle school ministry that was going on. And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, wow, like, that's not far from my house. So I asked Nate, do you want to go to church at New Albany Christian Church, Quest? And he said, okay. He actually almost always answered everything at that time, whatever you want to do, Mom. he That's how much he was on my side, whatever you want to do, he would do. So we came, and the first time we were here, he said he wanted to come back. So, we've been coming back every single week since. That was October of 2004. It took me a couple months to get connected here because a Protestant church environment was much different than what I knew. I didn't know how to get connected here. After a couple months though I did join a small group and I met Cheryl. She lived Cheryl's the only one I think in here this room besides my family that's here that she lived with me every step of the way through this. Thanks for coming today. Um, so, anyways, I'm in a period of anger. I found a church home. I joined a small group. But in my mind, the details, I couldn't get rid of them. I tried to escape them. One of the hardest parts for me was that my divorce was not private. It was very much public. So you have to picture the context. My husband was a teacher in a school district having an affair with another married teacher. Okay. He was a basketball coach during that period of time when this became known. One of the students on his basketball team's parent was the president of the school board. Superintendent was involved. Principal was like everyone was involved. Nobody knew if their jobs were safe. I mean that was what he was going through. And my son was trying to go to school every day in the midst of that. I tried to get away from it by, you know, concentrating on school. I went to class at OSU. And then wouldn't you know it, that quarter, starting in January of 2005, my professor, one of my professors, brought a guest speaker to class several times that quarter. And she happened to be the superintendent of the school district where this was all going on. So even though there are only nine of us in this class, I'm trying to, you know, go to school. I was reminded, I'm like, she knew who I was in my whole life, like was out in the open, even in school. The only place I could come where I felt like I could get healing and get away from it was right here in this place. I gained my strength little by little. The Lord helped me to craft a new vision for my life where I could start to turn my life right side up. Now, that same month, January 2005, when I thought I could never get away from this, uh, trauma that was going on, God surprised me. He knew exactly what I needed. And it's so true. He always knows what we need before we know what we need. We don't even know what to ask for. Sometimes I just pray to God and say, just give me whatever you know I need. And, you know, and sometimes it's not, re- it's really hard. Cause what if he wants you to do something that's hard? Hmm, so I was at the point there. I had nowhere else to turn So in january of 2005 you can go back in the record books and look there were three sermons in a row They were forgiveness part one forgiveness part two and forgiveness part three Three weeks in a row Okay, so god is telling me what? I need to extend forgiveness and if you know that metaphor where you have your hand hold it on I want to hold on to this anger so bad for my husband and I needed to forgive him and let it go or else I could never grab on to the Lord and pull near to him in obedience I learned to forgive and I had to demonstrate trust and submission in the Lord He helped me to see the path that I was to take through that healing process. A couple of months later, I was baptized right back there. And even though I was raised Catholic and baptized when I was a baby, and I was confirmed when I was in high school, being baptized here was so much more, I don't know, so much different. It was my choice as an adult. It was my demonstration to the Lord that I was committing myself to him and to trusting him, and that I was going to have a fresh start in my life. And since the divorce, God's given me the courage to be in Nate's dad's corner. I want him to be happy and prosper. And I still struggle with feelings of rejection. But I turn the volume down in my head when that noise in the back gets too loud. And usually God provides me with reinforcement. And he's standing right there. He helps me to turn that volume down. Forgiving, reconciling with Nate's dad took action, and it always required God's grace working through me. Four years ago, when Nate graduated from high school—I know, he's a senior in college. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Nate only wanted one graduation party. So what was I to do? I didn't want his dad to be hurt. I didn't want there to be a fight for Nate, like, which parent is going to host the graduation party? So I invited his dad and his girlfriend, who is now his wife, yes, the same person, To dinner, so the five of us could plan together Nate's graduation party. It was what was best for Nate. And I'm telling you, when you have to do what's best for your child, it is so much easier. (laughs) Stepping out and forgiving was so much easier because I knew it was in the best interest of Nate. God just used all that. It was perfect. I prayed for the Lord's wisdom and guidance, and I leaned on Greg And I got to demonstrate God's strength through me. What a privilege. So a couple of things to take away from my story that I hope that I leave you with. First one. Terry, thanks. (laughs) First one is to lean into the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Lean into him, not away. Don't isolate yourself and pull yourself away. Don't become self-reliant. I was self-reliant for years and years and years. And in my book, self-reliance is a bad word right now. It should be a bad word for all of us. We need to all be God-reliant, Christ-reliant. Listen for what he is telling you to do. That means you have to stop and you have to listen. I had to cry. I had to be alone in my car and listen to the messages that that music was bringing to me. The lyrics. Like one of the songs earlier that Dusty wrote that everybody sang, That's a touching song. It touches your heart. And I know it came from your heart. Obey what God asks of you. Whatever he tells you to do when you're listening, just do it. Like, I had to forgive. And he helped me forgive. One, two, three weeks in a row. Okay, I got the message. See, that's how stubborn I am. He had to have a whole series dedicated to helping me forgive. And then I have to continue to obey. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. I'm here today because of what God's done in my life. There are still valleys that we all must go through. Several that I'm going through now. But we must remember to trust the Lord. Now, I don't want to close today with a contemplative, reflective song. I want to change it up a little bit. So this is where I need your help. I think we've had enough serious moments today, and I think that we need to show the Lord our gratitude. And I would love for you to come down here, if you're willing, and dance and sing. This is a top ten Christian hit right now. Okay, it's the news, boys. And no pressure, but if you're my friend, you need to come down here now. (laughs) Thanks for coming down. Stay down here, though. A few years ago, I did a Bible study um, by Andy Stanley. Some of you were in it. It was called Your Move. And he said, Every season of life we go through is filled with experiences that at that time are packed with meaning and significance. But later, if we're asked to summarize those experiences, we'd probably condense everything that happened to just a few sentences. I do it all the time. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, I got divorced. You know, like, that's it. It's a sentence. But there's so much meaning in it when you share your story. What story do you want to tell five years from now when you look back on the season of life that you're in? What decisions are you facing right now that will shape your story? Will you rely on God to direct your path so that he can take you to that ultimate goal he has to use you? Will you trust in Him? Will you obey Him? Will you turn your power over to Him and let Him show you the way so that when you reflect on this part of your life, you can have a story of being right side up? Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, Visit us online at gotoquest.org.